excited to be in the house of the Lord today. We are so honored that you have chosen to worship our God, to celebrate the greatest events that has ever happened in the history of our world. Amen? And that's the resurrection of our Son, of our God, our Lord and our Savior. Who on a day like today, a day like today, went on ahead and resurrected so that we can have eternal life with him one day. So praise the Lord for that. Give him, give him some glory, some honor. We're celebrating that the tomb is empty, that the stone has been rolled away, and Jesus Christ has risen. And I'm so glad that you have chosen to be here with us today. My name is Pastor Lewis. Uh, as Anthony mentioned, if I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, hello. And I'd hope to, that you uh, stick around after service. You have some coffee, some pastries. A couple quick things that I wanted to go on ahead and mention to you um, is that we do have, until our small groups start up soon, we do have uh, three midweek events that happen here in the service. This is specifically if you're, if you're new and you're not sure what happens here. On uh, Tuesday nights at 7 p.m., we have Bible study that is led by uh, uh, one of the elders here, Jose Gonzalez. Uh, so, yeah, come on out on Tuesdays if you're interested in getting more in-depth into uh, the Word of God. Do that. Uh, on Wednesdays, for our young people, uh, they, we have our one youth is what the ministry is called. That is our teenage ministry. They meet here Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's led by Elena and Jesus Pantoja. So if you got any young uh, kids that are interested... They do cool stuff. This, this Wednesday, for a matter, as a matter of fact, they're going to Urban Air, which is like an indoor trampoline amusement type park. Uh, this couple is very, God has blessed the, the youth with them leading them. They take care of them uh, very much, and so praise God for that. Uh, and the last thing that we have here during the week is Friday. Friday is what we call Celebrate Recovery. This is a ministry that is for anyone that is stuck with hurts, habits, or hang-ups, Anyone struggling with anything, anything, uh, uh, temper issues, addiction issues, whatever it is, they come here at 7 o'clock on Fridays, and that is led by our brother Julian. Uh, let's give that ministry a round of applause. It's a powerful, powerful ministry. It's a powerful ministry, so if you're struggling in those areas, come on out. These are some of the things that we have to offer on a regular basis, and I want to let you know, especially if you're new, it's not just here Sundays, uh, but throughout the week. And then once we get our small groups ramped up and We'll be able to talk about that. Praise God. All right. Well, let's go on ahead and let's jump into today's word. And I know that we've already just prayed for the offering. But if you don't mind, if you could just bow your heads right there where you're at. I want to just pray for this message that God has for his church this morning. Father God, we come before you. We thank you once again for allowing us to be united on this day, God, on this holy day, Father God, that we remember what it is that you have done for us, God. And, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, as we get ready to, to, to give your word. Father, I pray, Lord, I know that many of us here today, we have tons of things uh, that have to get done when we get out of here. Some of us are thinking about the dinner that we've got to go to, the, the, the things that we still have to uh, go to the store to purchase for our family gathering today. Some of us are already thinking about tomorrow's work schedule. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, that you would allow us for this moment, for this moment to not be distracted by any of these things that are going to be there later on. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would go on ahead and clear our minds, Father, Lord, so that we can listen to what it is that you have 
to give us today. Lord, I pray that you would open up our eyes to see what it is that you want us to see this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would soften our hearts so that we can receive the word that you have. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would humble me, Father God, and give me the words that you have for your church today. All of this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and the church of God says, Amen. Throughout Jesus' time here on earth when he was doing ministry, as Anthony mentioned on Friday, Good Friday service, I, I kind of took the church, I took the congregation through his final hours. I took them from the upper room to the garden to the cross. But in his ministry, there was several times in which Jesus had what we call I am statements. You may say, if you're not familiar with that, well, Pastor, what is an I am statement? In the book of John, throughout his gospel, Jesus gave us seven, seven different pictures of who it is that he was, who he is. Seven different pictures. He says in his first one, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Who knows us? Me. He goes on ahead and he says, I am the bread of life. If you eat from me, you will never go hungry again. He says, I am the gate, or I am the door, depending on the translation that you're reading, by which you enter. He says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. A great example is what happened on that Good Friday. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again. These are some powerful statements that he's making. One of my favorites, he says, I am the vine. And you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Today, though, I want to look at an I am statement that best fits a Sunday like today, Resurrection Sunday. And we see the statement that he makes in the book of John, chapter 11. If you have your Bibles with, with you, you can open them up right now and start preparing. Uh, we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 11. If you don't have them with you, no worries. We'll have the passages up on the screen. If you're watching us on Facebook, we'll have the passages up there as well. John, chapter 11. I'm going to take you to verse 25 really quickly to tell you what this I am statement was, and then I'll take you right back to the beginning of that chapter. He says this. He says, I and the resurrection, and the what? The life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus makes this statement, I am the resurrection of life. And just to be clear, church, a resurrection, obviously, only happens when what? When something dies. Can't resurrect something that's alive already. You can wake them up, but you can't resurrect them. You resurrect them and, and, and you come back to life. They come back to life. And so Jesus is making this statement. He's saying, I am the resurrection 
and the life. And when he said this, a lot of people don't understand what he actually uh, said it in context of. He was actually saying in context of a, of a much broader story about another guy who had actually died, but he didn't stay dead. Some of you guys know already where I'm going with this. His brother was called Lazarus. And I want to read you that story. And as I'm reading you the story of Lazarus and when Jesus makes this statement, I want you to look. I want you to look. There's going to be three different ways that many of us, we die in the inside. And I'm going to show you how the resurrection of Jesus brings that back to life. You guys ready? John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. We're going to start here. And this is what the Bible says. He says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. Later on we find out he just wasn't sick. His brother's dying. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now this is Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick. She was the same as the one who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one that you love is sick. Why, why are they sending word to Jesus? First of all, Jesus, they, they know the connection that they have. But also, Mary and Martha, they know who Jesus is. They've seen what Jesus has done. The miracles in which he has performed. They know the teachings in which he has taught. So they're reaching out to Jesus. Why? Because they have faith. I have faith because I have seen what you have. You see, this was bad news, though, in the middle of the good life. The one that you love is sick. And unfortunately, if I can pause here for just a moment and acknowledge that although there are a lot of people here today in person or watching us online, you guys may be here and you may be celebrating a good season of your life. You might be saying, hey, man, this season right now, I'm living. It's a good season. Hey, man, the pandemic is kind of in the rearview mirror. I'm able to do things. I'm here in person. I can take my mask off. Things are starting to pick up. You're in a good season right now. But the reality is, you know this. It might be even you. There are people that right now at this moment, they're hurting right now. There are people right now that have had similarly bad news. In fact, maybe some of you have heard that very direct bad news that Jesus was about to hear. Maybe you've heard the one that you love is sick. Someone that you are really close to, maybe you've heard, hey, did you hear he has cancer, she has cancer, or maybe some other debilitating sickness that's eating them up. Maybe you've heard that news. Maybe if you're here today, you have heard that, hey, maybe that job that, you know, you really like, you love, and you say there's never been a job like this. Maybe you just found out, hey, by the way, they're going to shut this down, and you're about to lose your job. Or maybe you're here today, and you're saying, man, Pastor, what was once my dream marriage, what was so good, what felt so good, now it is turning into a nightmare. 
Some of you here today, maybe you had a close friendship. Someone that you thought was your ride or die brother or ride or die chick. And all of a sudden, that friendship has ended. You realize it's not going to work out. Or if you're a parent here, because I want to talk to everybody. Maybe you've got a teenager. And the principal has called you into a, a conference. And you know it's not to tell you that your kid made the honor roll. If you know what I'm saying. So you, you've got the bad news. Something that's not favorable. Something like Jesus is about to receive. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, in the middle of this, Jesus says something that I believe is amazing. It's, it's amazing. You know, there's, there's several parts in the Bible where you read, and sometimes you're like, man, that's good, or wow. Watch what he says in verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in what? Death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. You see, this message comes from Martha and Mary. The message has been delivered to Jesus, and Jesus says, no, hold up, wait a minute. This sickness ain't going to end in death. As a matter of fact, the reason why Lazarus is sick and about to die is because the glory of God is about to be revealed. Like right now, they're going through something, but it's because when it seems like all hope is lost, God will be glorified. This very thing that you would never, ever want to happen, what we're seeing here is that God is going to bring glory to him through himself through the worst news that maybe you can ever imagine. Has that happened to you before? Where you thought that you were in a season of your life that was so difficult. You thought that you were in a season of your life that you were like, how am I going to get out of this, God? Why have you allowed this? And all, and all of a sudden, God shows up. And you realize, man, now I understand why I was in the situation that I was in. Now we'll come back to that verse where I left you off at, but I want to give you just a quick, to, for the sake of time, I want to give you just a quick summary of verses 5 through 14, and you can read it on your own if you like, and if you're taking notes, write it down, um, but I'm going to give you a quick, quick summary of what happens between then and then where I want to pick up, but basically, basically everybody believes that Jesus is going to come help, right? I mean, Jesus was healing and raising the dead and, 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 and making people that were paralyzed stand up and walk that he didn't even know. So you got to think he's going to help out someone that he loves, right? Everyone thinks, okay, Jesus is going to come help, but what does Jesus do? If you're familiar with the story, Jesus at that moment does nothing. He does nothing for two days. My whistle is not that good. He's just hanging out. Listen, I'm adding to it for the suspense, right, like Hollywood does, but just bear with me. Everyone over there is freaking out while Jesus is hanging out. Two days later, listen, two days later, he says to his disciples, two days later, Let's go back to, Ju to Judea. The disciples, they hear him, 
And they say, no, if we go there, they're going to try to kill us, which would be true. Why? Because just shortly before that, the people in Judea were trying to persecute Jesus and trying to stone him to death. So they had to get out. And here goes Jesus two days later saying, all right, it's time for us to go back where they're trying to stone us. And his disciples are like, oh, man, this is not going to end well. But then he says something to his disciples. He says, he says no, we've got to go because Lazarus has fallen asleep. You know, when I read this, I was just thinking that, man, Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time while he walked this earth. But that's his fully God nature right there where he now senses and knows, all right, Lazarus has died. Lazarus has died. And what does he tell his disciples? We need to go wake him up. Jesus could have ran right away as soon as he heard the news. We'll get to that part in a little bit. He says, no, we're going to wait. We're going to chill. And as soon as he senses that Lazarus has died, he says, now it's time for us to go. Why? Because this was going to be a, a show that God was going to put on. This was going to be a situation that, hey, at, at least they know that, you know, the Advil didn't help or, or, or the antibiotics. No, this man was dead. Jesus came and rose him. That is the glory of God. There's many situations that we are in right now that, yes, if we got the help that we needed from another person or we took matters into our own hands, maybe we would get out of it. But then who gets the glory? You. But when you're in a situation in which there's nothing that you can do, no one that can help, and God shows up, now who gets the glory? He does. And you can use that story to share as a testimony to bring others to believe in him. Now, he wasn't saying that Lazarus was tired and taking a nap. He was saying, it was a metaphor, hey, Lazarus is dead, and, and we need to go and raise him back up from the dead. And so right now at this moment, as we pick back up the story, what I want to do is I want you to look at three different characters in this story. We're going to focus very briefly on three different characters of this story. One is one of the disciples. His name was Thomas. Then I want to look at Mary, one of the sisters, and then we're going to look at one of the other sisters, Martha. And what we're going to do here is we're going to see three different ways that they were dying on the inside. As we look at Thomas, Martha, and Mary, we're going to look at three different ways in which they were dying in the inside during this situation. And see, some of you can relate to, to one of them. You can relate that you may be going through one of one of the situations, and I'm going to mention of these three characters, maybe now or maybe at some other point of your life. But if you're taking notes, what I want to do is I want to start off with Thomas. So if you're taking notes, you can write, there, write down there on your, on your notepad, Thomas. You see, some of you guys can relate to Thomas because you know what he was dead to? Thomas was dead in his doubts. Thomas was dead in his doubts, right? He's doubting Thomas. Poor guy. We know him as doubting Thomas. I don't want to be known. Whatever it is that you lack, man, just hope that no one around you writes a story about you. You, don't, you might not know how to nickname you. But all through Scripture, he's known as, as doubting Thomas. And in fact, we're going to look at verse 16, and this is what it says as the story continues. It says, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, 
said to the rest of the disciples, he doesn't say this to Jesus. When you look at, read other translations, he says, he said to the others, you know, he, he's kind of whispering to them, murmuring to them. He says, let's all go that we may die with him. You see, I'm going to tell you something. When I first read this, just like when you're reading a book briefly, I just thought, oh, man, man, praise God, Thomas is right. Let's go die with Jesus. But he was saying it sarcastically when you study the text. He's like, all right, let's go die with him because they, they were trying to stone him a couple days ago. And we're going to go right back. He's doubting. He's doubting. He says, wait, Jesus said we're going to go because he says uh, uh, Lazarus has died. He's going to raise him, but we're going to go through here. All right, whatever. Let, 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 let's just go die. Let's get it done with. And I'm curious because he was doubting. Even though this brother had seen what Jesus had, this wasn't Jesus' first miracle, but he's still doubting. And I, I'm curious, on this Easter Sunday, church, on this Easter Sunday, how many of you would be honest enough to say that you have had spiritual doubts at one point or another in your life? How many of you can say, I have had spiritual doubts at one point in my life? Because I don't know about you, but everyone that I know, including me, at some point have prayed some prayers and believed that God could and thought that he would, but he didn't. And then, boom. They're bombarded with doubts. Why didn't he do this? Come on. I know that you've thought that thought at one point or another. Maybe you're in a season of your life right now that you're thinking that same thought. Why hasn't God done this? Or perhaps you grew up with a real simple faith and, and someone told you, hey, man, this stuff that you read, that stuff really didn't happen. And boom, all of a sudden you're like, well, man, is this real? Is this my faith or is this really just my parents' faith that, that I'm just walking around with? And then you're overcome with doubts or perhaps that you believe that God and something that, that, that really bad had happened to you and someone that maybe you really loved and you thought, well, you know what, if God is good, then why did he let this bad thing happen to that person that I love? If he's all-powerful, right? Pastor, you talk about how God is all-powerful, how he's all-knowing, how he can do whatever it is that he desires to do. Well, then, God, then, 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 Pastor, why didn't God stop this from happening to someone that I love? Doubt. That's the re number one recipe for doubt when we start asking those questions. And suddenly, next thing you know, you're like poor doubting Thomas. There's something on the inside that's a little bit dead in your doubts. That's doubting Thomas. Or maybe some of you here are more like Mary in the story. You're not dead in your doubts like Thomas was, but if you're taking notes, you can write this down. You're dead in your discouragement. Mary was dead in her discouragement. You just don't see Anything good happening in your life. And you just cannot seem to, to catch a break. You see, Mary at this point, she was very, very discouraged. And of course she would. Why would she not be? And we see it in this verse. Take, take a look at this. In verse 20, it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming. So finally, after these two days, she hears that Jesus is coming. She went to meet him. Who went to meet him? 
Martha. What does it say about Mary? But Mary stayed at home. She's like, why bother? Why bother? I don't even see the need for Jesus to be here anymore. I mean, my brother's already dead. There's nothing that you can do any longer, Jesus. And the reality is that 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 may be honestly where some of you are here today. You just think, man, I, I can't change anything. Is that you? Is that your mindset? I can't change anything. I'm always going to feel alone. I'm always going to feel depressed. There's never anything good that's going to happen to me. I'm always going to be stuck in this dead-end job. I'm never going to have the marriage that I thought that maybe by now I would have had already. I just feel stuck. I'm discouraged. Some of you, that may be where you're at right now. But you're not going to show it today. It's Easter. It's Easter Sunday. You put on your good clothes. You come to church. Some of you even put the Christian language on. You know, you leave the bad language outside. You put the Christian language on when you come in. Hey, how you doing? Hey, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Fine. Thank you, Jesus. He has risen. God is good. And you're smiling on the inside, on the outside, that is. You've got that mask that fits you perfectly. You're smiling on the outside, but on the inside, the reality is, listen, God sees your heart right now, and you are very, very discouraged and alone. Some people here are dead in their doubts, like Thomas. Some are dead in their discouragement. Martha died. Martha, the other sister. If you're taking notes, maybe you can relate to her because this one, I think, is a big one. Martha was dead on the delay. Martha was dead on the delay. See, for Martha, God took too long. Jesus should have been back earlier. I called for you, Jesus, two days ago. When my brother was sick, but he still had life. I called on you two days ago. Not now when he's been dead. But I called on you while there was still a chance. Why did Jesus take so long? We covered this. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. For four days. There was no embalmment, you know, type of procedure back then. He had been dead for four days, already put in the tomb. And let me tell you, why is it a big deal, this whole four days thing? Well, in the time in which Martha was living, there was commonly a belief held, not sure if you've heard this or not, that a spirit would stick around the dead body, someone who had died, for at least three days. That was the belief. Now, listen, don't take this and start preaching this to nobody because this was not biblical, all right? Now, don't go saying, hey, Pastor Lewis told me that the spirit, you know. No, it's not a Christian belief. This was just a belief in which they had at that time. It was kind of a folklore that if someone died, their spirit would kind of hover. It would kind of stay close by in case, just in case they would come back to, the, to life, the spirit can jump right back into the body. Well, after four days, according to their belief, the, the spirit's gone. 
right? Isn't that beautiful that Jesus doesn't even show up on the third day? He says, I, he probably says, I know their beliefs. So I'm going to come another day later. Because then they're going to say, oh, no, it's just that the spirit was there, and he kind of gave them CPR, and he jumped in there. It wasn't God. Listen, we've got all kinds of theories out there. But after four days, the spirit left. So in her mind, Lazarus was not just mostly dead, but he was all the way dead. He was dead dead. He was dead and then some. So dead that later on in the story, she goes on ahead and she's trying to describe the smell that is in that tomb. Verse 21, Lord, let's catch this right here. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, what? My brother would not have died. Man. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's saying, Jesus, you took too long. Why didn't you do this when you could have done something about it? And the reality is that some of you who are here today, watching us online today, you can relate to this. You feel dead in your delays. You're waiting on some answered prayer. You're waiting for God to show you the results for something that you have been calling out to him. For some of you here today, and I'm not sure why I'm saying this, but I just felt prompted to, but you're, you're, you're serving Jesus, and you say, man, I'm serving Jesus, and, and I just want to be married. And I'm faithful to God, and all of my friends, man, they're going out, they're going clubbing, they're having a good time, they're partying it up. But I'm not. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm praying for that right man. And yet they're all getting married. And I'm not. Why am I always the bridesmaid? When I'm doing what's right, and yet I don't see a husband for me. And the reality is you feel discouraged. You feel discouraged and you're dead in your delays. Or maybe you're, 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 maybe you're already married. Maybe you're already married and, and you're praying for a baby. You're married and you're praying and, and, and you just can't seem to conceive. You're trying, you're trying, you're doing everything, you're praying, and you just can't seem to conceive. And everybody else you know that's around you is getting pregnant. You kind of feel like, man, all they have to do is look at each other and they're conceiving with triplets. You know what I'm saying? And you're sitting there. And you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you're saying, God, why, why? We're praying, and we're believing for a child, and we can't seem to have it. Some of you, maybe you're praying for a loved one to experience the goodness of God. And I know this is a lot of us. And you feel that the harder that you pray, the more it seems like they're getting further away, that you're being tempted to stop praying. Maybe I should stop praying. Because the more I pray, they're getting further and further from the Lord. And you wonder, why, God? Why? I know a lot of people. As a pastor, I know a lot of people. Listen, some of you here today, I know that people are praying for you. And believing that God could actually go on ahead and bring you back into his presence. There are some people here today that are praying and believing for someone to be healed from some type of sickness. 
Why? Because I believe that we serve a God that says all things are possible. Yet you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and God is just not doing it. And what you find yourself is, you find yourself this morning dead in your delay. But allow me to speak to you. If that's you today, I hope that what I'm about to say speaks to you and that you'll never forget this. And if you're taking notes, write this down. And and that is that God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. Listen up. Just because God hasn't done something yet doesn't mean that God is still not in charge. It doesn't mean that he has stopped listening to your prayers. Just because he hasn't answered a prayer yet, maybe, maybe he just has a plan that he's going to be glorified for later on in the future through the very thing that you are going through today. And in verse 22, this is what Martha says. And this is this right here. Whew, this is the statement of the past. Because she said that, right? Right? She says, listen, listen, hey, if you should have been here, why did you take so long? But then she is reminded of the faith of who it is that she is speaking to. And she says in verse 22, but I know that even now, everyone say even now, but I know that even now, God will do whatever you ask. Someone say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I know that even now. Why does she say that? Because she knows who it is she's speaking to. Now, the first response was her being angry, right? Like us. God, why didn't you do this? God, why haven't you answered this prayer? God, why is my marriage uh, my marriage crumbling? God, why are my children further away, away from you? God, why am I dealing with this sickness? God, why is my are my finances messed up when I've worked so hard? Why, why, why? And we get angry, we get upset. But after we let that go, all right, God's like, all right, go ahead, let it off your chest. But then she's reminded, just like many of us, we're reminded of the power. Jesus Christ. We're reminded where we once were and where Jesus is bringing us to. We remember that once we were stuck in addiction, but God redeemed us from that. We're reminded that once we were lost, but God allowed us to be home and and, and be back found. We're reminded that our our marriage was crumbling. We were on the verge of divorce, but God restored it. We're reminded of what we've seen God do. You're reminded of those little prayers that you had maybe when you were a young kid and you realized that God answered. You're reminded that the God that you serve is a great and mighty God who loves his children. She looks at Jesus and she says, I know that even now. Man, I want somebody to make shirts, make me a shirt with just that statement. Even though we're dead in our delays, church, listen to this. Even though we are dead in our discouragement, even though we are dead in our doubts, that even now, God can give you whatever you ask. Do you know what I believe this morning, church? 
I believe that some of you need to have an even now moment with God. I believe that some of you need to have an even now moment with God. Because some of you are stuck on a chapter, on a page of your life that has been, you've been just reading. You've been stuck on that chapter and all you've been doing is reading bad news. Everything that is happening in this season of your life is bad. It's one thing after another. You can't get, seem to catch a break. And you know what I'm here to tell you and what the Lord wants you to know today, church, is that it is time to turn the page. It is time to turn to the next chapter and let the faith of the new chapter that is titled Even Now come alive. And believe that even now, all things are possible with God. Believe that even now, when you are discouraged, listen, the presence of God can come in and build your faith. That even now, when you feel all alone, like there's no one there, that the presence of the Holy Spirit can give you a peace that supersedes all understanding. That even now, our God can reach your jacked-up family and bring healing and harmony and, and, and forgiveness and restoration. That even now, when everything looks impossible, that we serve a God who says all things are possible. That even now, that maybe your heart may be cold and callous towards the things of God, that our God, in a moment, can soften your heart and draw you into his presence. And even now, when there is something that is dead, listen to this. The resurrection of power of Jesus Christ can bring it back to life. And that's what we see Jesus do in verse 23. In verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. And then in verse 24, because Jesus uh, had listened, or Martha had listened to Jesus' teaching. Martha answered, yes, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So she's saying, yeah, I know when you come back again, we're going to resurrect. Yeah, I know that. I know that. She was confused. She's thinking about a different resurrection. But Jesus says in, in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection of life. I am the resurrection and life is what Jesus tells us. He's saying, you don't got to wait for the last day because the resurrection is standing next to you. He didn't say, I'm able to resurrect. He says, I am the resurrection. Continue. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? I don't know, some of you here today, I got to ask, do you believe this? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe it, then somebody needs to say amen. I am the resurrection and the life. You see, it's not just what Jesus does, but it is who Jesus is. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, and, and that's this. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. 
The resurrection is not an event. It is a person. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. And listen, dead things don't stay dead when the resurrection walks into the room. And the resurrection, Jesus, he's looking at the tomb where Lazarus is laying there. Stinky, stinky in there. I believe the King James Version says he stanketh. He was stanketh in the tomb. And you know what he says to his disciples? He says, take that stone away. You know, could you just imagine this? Can you imagine, you know, just, just, just the people that are gathered around. They're watching this. They're thinking, what is he going to do? He says, take the stone away. And when they did, in verse 43, Jesus called out in a loud voice. Why a loud voice? I have no idea. Maybe it's because dead people don't hear well. I'm joking. I'm joking. Jesus says, he's actually speaking to God, and he said, God, he's like, I'm talking loud so that everyone can hear. Listen, because there's no testimony without a text. Listen, there's no testimony unless you've gone through some things. And it's not a testimony unless you share it with somebody. You allow somebody to come on in. Listen, I couldn't do this before, but with Jesus, look what's happened. Look at my marriage was messed up, but now look with, with Jesus, look what, what's happened. I was far away. I was lost in this far country, and Jesus bring me back home. You've got to share that with people. Jesus says, listen, I'm not just doing this for me because I know what I can do. I know what I can do with the power of my Father. But what I want to happen right now is I want all these people to become Christians at this moment. What better way to convert somebody than by the footsteps of Christ? In verse 43, he says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with with stripes of linen, strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes. Let him go. He comes out. And even when he comes out, he still has these grave clothes on. He says, take that away from him and let him go. And I love, I love the contrast of these two stories. You see, because on a day like before Resurrection Sunday, Jesus is dead in the tomb at that moment. And there's a stone that is blocking. Here in this story that we're reading, Lazarus is dead in a tomb. And what? There's a stone that is blocking it. When Jesus goes to Lazarus, he tells his disciples, hey, roll that stone away. When Jesus is in the tomb, the women are walking up in the morning, and they're probably thinking to themselves, oh, man, who's going to roll this stone away? Some of you, church. Some of you, you feel dead on the inside, if you're honest. Some of you, you've lost faith. You've lost hope. You're dead in the delay. You're discouraged. You have doubts. Some of you feel like you are literally trapped in a tomb, and you feel like you just don't have the strength 
in your own power to roll that stone away. You've got too much on you. You don't have the energy, the strength. You can't do it. But church, I'm here to tell you that on this Easter Sunday, I want you to remember. I want you to remember that Christ, he's already rolled the stone away. I want you to remember and realize and know if you're in that tomb, the stone has been rolled away. And the same voice that called Lazarus and yelled out for him to come on out is the same voice that is yelling out to you right now while you're in that tomb. Come out. Come out is what Jesus is telling you this morning. He's saying come out because your sins have been forgiven. Not because you're good, but because he's good. He can set you free if you're still in that tomb. Not because you're strong, but because he's strong. You can feel his presence if you want to once again. Not because you deserve it, but because Jesus is just that good. The resurrection is not what he does, remember. It's who he is. Why does it matter? Why does this matter? Because God in his love and his mercy did something for us when we were incapable of doing it on our own. He became one of us, the Bible says. God in the flesh, born of a virgin. And, and why is this whole virgin thing a big deal? Well, because Jesus didn't inherit the sin nature from an earthly father. But he inherited the divine nature from his heavenly father. Therefore, he could be that sacrificial lamb that we talked about on Friday without blemish or spot or without wrinkle. Therefore, he could be the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins on the cross. And Jesus was brutally murdered when he suffered at the hands of the creation. And he looked up, if you remember, he looked up to heaven and he said, Father. I have done what you sent me to do. It is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And the earth went dark. And the earth shook. And everyone who had hoped, everyone that had, who had hoped, his disciples who had hoped, the, his followers who had hoped that he was the Messiah, when they're looking at the cross and they're seeing a corpse now that is there, dead, they fell into despair and darkness for that moment. They didn't realize that it was Friday, but like we like to say, but that Sunday was coming. They were on that chapter of, their, of that season of life that all that can go wrong was going wrong. But listen, church, at the turn of a page, at the turn of a page, God would be glorified through the death of Jesus as Jesus rose from that tomb. And some of you right now, I'm telling you, some of you right now, you are stuck on that bad chapter of your life. And with one touch, this is, this is what I'm here to tell you, very important, but with one touch, you may think, man, but this is going to take a process, it's going to be long. With, with, with one touch from God, you can turn that page into that even now chapter. But with caution, 
I'm not here telling you that everything's perfect on that next page where I'd be speaking false. I'm not here to tell you that on that next page of the even now that everyone is healed and that everybody lives forever and that your hair never falls out and that your body's always going to be perfect. And that you win the lottery and, you know, all that kind of stuff that you would think, well, maybe everything's going to be better. It's not all going to happen for you. But what I am telling you is that on that next chapter of your that season, that next page of your life, I'm here to tell you, and I can guarantee this, and that is that God is always glorified on what happens next. Because he's that good. Because he's that good. And so Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And some of you here today, you're dead in your sins. You say, no, I'm not dead, I'm alive. No, you're dead in your sins. You feel like you're trapped. You feel like you can't do anything because sin has such a, gra- a grapple on you. That's what the Bible says, that you're dead to your sins, but because of what he did, and not because what we could ever do on our own or that we could ever deserve it because of the good works that we have done, our sins can be forgiven and you can be made brand new. You may be feeling trapped in your sins, but you can be made brand new. And you know what that's called? That's called the gospel. It's the good news that God did something that we couldn't do for ourselves because he is that good. And with this, we're going to get ready to close. The tomb is empty. He is risen. And the resurrection changes everything. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will never die. That's what Jesus said. Remember, dead dead things don't stay dead and the resurrection walks in. The same voice, I want you to listen to this, the same voice that called Lazarus out of the grave. I want to say this again to you because it is so important. It's the same voice that calls you out of your sins today. And he's saying, listen, son, daughter, whatever it is that your name is, he's saying, come on out. Be released from those sins that are holding you captive. There's forgiveness. There is grace. There's healing. Listen to this. Listen to this. This reminds me of our message last week, and I just wanted to throw it in here again. The story of the prodigal son. This is what God is telling you today if you're in that tomb. This is what God is telling you today if you're feeling stuck. See, some of us are feeling stuck because we say, well, we've done so much. I can't go back. I can't go back to God. I can't go back to him because he already knows what I'm thinking. But the Lord wants you to know today sitting here today, watching us online, listening to it, whenever you listen to it, God wants you to know he wants you to come out of that tomb. But he wants you to know that it doesn't matter what you've done. Listen, as I I say that, I hope some of you guys are being released. Maybe that was holding you back. It doesn't matter. God is telling you, my son, my daughter, it doesn't matter what you have done. My son, my daughter, sitting here today, it doesn't matter how big your doubts are. 
He's telling you today, it doesn't matter how bad you have been. It doesn't matter how alone you feel. Jesus is telling you this morning, church, it doesn't matter how messed up you are. That when you come to him, he doesn't hold any of that against you. When you come to Jesus, he loves you and he forgives you. And he makes you brand new, is what the Bible says. And he fills you. You know what it says? And he fills you with the same spirit that, right, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Let us all stand. Right there with your, with, your, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. You may be here today and you're saying, Pastor, the stone's been rolled away. I can see it. I'm inside this tomb, but I, I, I heard a rumbling. Pastor, as you were speaking, I, I've heard the rumbling. I've seen the stone roll out. And I can't see very clearly, but I can hear a voice calling me and telling me, come out, that I've been forgiven that I can come home, that I can be made right. I see him. And I want to come out. I want to stand up. I want to walk out. I want to take these, these, these clothes, these chains that are on me. I want to take them off, and I want to go to Jesus. Jesus is telling you today he's here to welcome you. He's here to welcome you. Word of God says that if you believe this, if you believe this message, if you believe it in your heart, that if you confess it with your lips, that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe that he rose, that he paid the penalty for our sins, that he made us righteous before a holy and perfect God. If that's you here today with every head bowed and, and you're saying, that's me, I'm ready to walk out of this tomb that right where you're at, just right where you're at, just, just lift your hands up. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I just, want you, I just want, I, I want you to lift up your hands as a sign of surrender to God. If you're watching us online and that's you, go on ahead and, and type that that's you here today in, in, in the comments and we'll get back to you. If that's you, I want to pray. I want to pray with you. I see you. I see the hands. Father God, they're running to you. They're running to you. They're, they're, they're coming out of the tomb and they're running towards you. Would you greet them? Would you hold them? Encourage them? Wipe their tears away from their eyes. Let them know that you have been there always waiting outside the tomb for them to walk out. Father, I pray right now for all those with their hands raised, Father God, that, that you, Father God, will just be with them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the encouragement that they need. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the hunger that they need, Father God, a hunger that chases after you, that chases after your heart, 
a hunger for your word, a hunger to spend time with you, Father, in prayer, a hunger to be active, Lord, and be connected to the body of Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, so that they can continue to grow. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. Glorify your holy, holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If that was you, if you raised your hand today and you say, hey, man, I want... I want more information. Maybe, maybe it was just more like you just reconnecting with the Lord, but maybe I, I want some more information on how to grow in my faith. We have material. We have people that are willing to walk with you and mentor you and just kind of teach you uh, the beginning steps of, of starting a relationship, not a religion, but a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to see you grow and, and maybe even take steps of baptisms and, and all that good stuff. But if that's you, after service, come find me. Come I'll be right up here for a little bit. Come to me, and I, I want to give you that information. Amen? Right before we dismissed, though, when you walked in, uh, Maggie handed you guys these communion cups. If you have them with you, uh, we're about to you know, partake of this. If you don't have one with you and you want to participate in the communion, lift your hands up, and we'll make sure that someone gives you one. Okay, I think we got them. are there on the table, on the tray. We kind of went over this on Friday. And although he's resurrected, he's risen, we'll, we'll take you back again. I, for all those that weren't here, you know, we're just going to do this together. But Jesus Christ, while he was that day right before he was about to be handed over and betrayed, he had a a last supper with his disciples. He has a last supper with his disciples, and he's talking to them, and he's letting them know, and he's saying, hey, this is the last meal that we're about to have together before everything happens to me, before the mission is completed. And he goes on ahead, and if you can, if you want to do that with me, just tear the first part out and just grab that wafer. He grabs... He grabs a piece of uh, a bread, a loaf of bread. And he tells his disciples, and he says, listen, this bread, when you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. In other words, he's saying, I want you guys to start getting in the habit of doing this, but when you do this, I want you to remember me. And he takes the bread, and he kind of he just breaks it. He says, this is a symbol of my body. Jesus broke the bread, and what he was telling his disciples was, my body's about to be broken for you. My body is about to be broken. They're going to whip me. They're going to spit at me. They're going to put a crown of thorns on me. They're going to humiliate me. I'm going to lose consciousness a couple times. They're going to they're pierce my side. They're going to nail me to a cross. When you take of this bread, remember that. Remember that my body broke for you. I allowed my body to be broken for you. I could have called down the angels of heaven to come down and rescue me, but no, I completed my mission for you so that you can have access to, to the Father. He says, whenever you do this, 
remembering me. So right now, with your eyes closed, meditate on the Lord. And I want you to eat of the bread. And as you eat of the bread, you're chewing on the bread, remember the body of Christ and what it endured for you. And then he took the cup. He took the cup and he says, Ah, when you drink of this, I want you to remember this. That this cup, what it signifies is my blood. What it signifies is the blood that I am about to shed for you. It signifies a new covenant. You see, because the old covenant was a list of rules, regulations, all things that had to be followed, and it had to be followed perfectly. And and that's impossible because we're human beings and we make mistakes. No one can follow those laws. We can't even follow the rules of the road every, every week. But yet Jesus says, but now the blood that I'm about to shed on the cross, that is going to cover the multitudes of your sins. You see, because the old law required that they take a perfect lamb without blemish, without spotting, and they would regularly sacrifice that animal to atone for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. That was something that was regularly happening, but Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So what I'm about to do, the blood that's going to be cast, the the Bible says there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Jesus says, I'm about to shed blood, and I just got to do it once for the sins of the generations and generations to come. So he said, when you take of this cup, remember what my blood signified. Remember that I was that perfect sacrifice, the one who had no sin but bore your sin on the cross so that you can have access to the Father. You may take of the cup. And right there where you're at, just with your eyes closed as we meditate. Thank you, Jesus. That the reason why we are celebrating today is because you made a terrible Friday good by giving your life for us. We thank you and we remember you as we take of this communion, what you went through. We remember what your body experienced, what the blood that you shed signified. And we thank you for that. We thank you for paying a price that we could not pay on our own. We thank you because even though we were still sinners, you died for us. Even though we are imperfect, you died for us. Even though we still make mistakes, you died for us. And you gave us the opportunity to walk alongside with you. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray as we get ready to dismiss right now. I thank you for allowing us to have a wonderful, wonderful time here together today. I pray, Lord, that the word that has been spoken, Lord Jesus Christ, about who you are being the resurrection. I pray, Lord, that these words, Father God, these different characters that we talked about in their different battles, Lord, Lord, each and every one of them that maybe we can resemble with, Father God. I pray, Lord, that, that, that your church today would have received your word 
And, Lord, that they would just not listen to it and say, hey, that was a good Easter message, but that they would take that message and apply it to their daily lives. I pray, Father God, Lord Jesus, that you would be with them. Lord, I pray for those, Father, that are new in in the faith, God. I pray, Lord, that they would grow. I pray, Lord, that maybe this would be a place, Lord, that we can help them grow in, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for allowing people to be comfortable once again to come out and worship you. And I pray, Lord, that this would not just be a one-day thing, Father God, but that we would make you a priority. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Church, remind, uh, or, uh, Father God, remind us, your church, who we are. That we are your children. That you've called us to be the light of this world. That you have called us to be the salt of the earth. That you have called us to not blend in, but to stand out. You've called us to reflect your love. You've called us to reflect your glory. You've called us to reflect your compassion. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this church will do that really well. And church, as we get ready to dismiss, I leave you with this blessing. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you all. May the Lord be gracious unto you, and may the Lord give you peace today and forever. In Jesus' holy, mighty name. The church of God says, amen, 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 amen. church. God bless you. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week. Have a great Easter.